Bible, so uh, in your in your pew, on your seat. So go ahead and take one, and uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter two. By the way, I haven't said it for a while, but the most important most important page in a Bible. Anybody know what that is? It's a table of contents. And so, if you don't know where something is, you just open up, look there. And I mean, when I when I was younger in in church, I thought, oh, I, everybody should know exactly where it's at. And, and you see people going back and forth. Finally. When you get to like the book of Malachi or something like that, where in the world is that? So I finally said, okay, I'm just going to look at the table of contents. So we, we find it then. All right. So we're going to be, uh, we're going to conclude the series on the church and how the church got started. And uh, now next week we're going to do, is, as many of you know, we're going to be putting the Sunday school classes and the, and the worship together. What I mean is the theme. So what's going to happen in this service, the first service is different, because they're going to have the sermon, then they're going to go to Sunday school. You're going to have Sunday school, then you're going to come to, to worship. And so we're going to have, um, basically we're just going to reinforce, the, the entire church is going to be focused on one theme the entire, the entire morning. So, uh, so we are sh uh, shifting gears a little bit there. Alright, so if you remember... So Jesus died on the cross, Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples were obedient, that's the key, the uh, disciples were obedient, and they stayed in Jerusalem like they were supposed to. <clears throat> then the day of Pentecost came, and uh, you had the Holy Spirit that came upon the disciples, uh, tongues of fire came upon them, they went out, they started speaking in the language of the people, got done with that, and now, uh, and then they gave the sermon, and uh, 3,000 people came to Christ that day. They baptized them, and now the church is formed. So what's the first thing you do when you have a new church? Many times people think, well, the first thing, we've got to build a building. And, and that's not what happened. Matter of fact, the first church building that we are aware of, a building that was specifically built for a church, was not built until like 293 A.D., so it went about almost 250 years, almost 250 years before an actual church building was built. So what they did is that the Christians all met together. So where did they meet together? In people's homes. That's exactly. Uh, they went into people's homes. Primarily the richest person because he had the biggest home. So let's say we all get together. We want to meet together. We would, I would, as your pastor, I would find out who has the biggest home or the biggest building in which we can meet together. And it might be a barn, it might be a house, it might be something like that. For those of you who came from the United Brethren Church, and, and I just know this because I was the United Brethren for a long time, that particular uh, denomination got started, anybody know, in a barn. So they had a revival service in a barn. And then, uh, and then that particular group started from there. So the United Brethren, the United United Methodists actually started in a barn. So 3,000 people came together and they decided it's time to build a building. No. What they did is they met together. And they became what's called the church. So what's the church? Let's define it, okay? The church is a body of Christ. All people who accept Christ's gift of salvation and follow Christ's teachings. The Bible, in the Bible, church never refers to a building, 
it refers to people, the people who follow Christ. That is a church. A church building is nothing more than a tool. So this whole building that is a tool. We have the sanctuary down there for the first service. We have this gymnasium, and we use it for our second service, more contemporary. We have a children's wing. We have um, a fellowship hall. We have Sunday school classes. We, you go outside, you've got the t-ball and everything else. They are nothing more than tools. Okay, They are not to be worshipped. They are tools. And in this climate, it, it is good that we have the tool of a building where we can have heat and we can have... Uh, something overhead, because, I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get on a particular Sunday. I, I remember the Sunday when the tornado went through here. You know a tornado hit this church. You know that? Remember the November tornado that hit uh, Salina in the afternoon? In the morning, this church was hit with a tornado. How do I know it? I saw it. So here's Beth. You know Beth. Beth is outside, she was our janitor at the time, and, and there's Beth, she's outside, and all of a sudden Polly and I are in my office, and we've noticed all the leaves are going this way. The wind is blowing this way. The leaves weren't coming down, they weren't coming down, they were going this way. And Polly goes, what in the world's going on? I said, I don't know. Beth comes, Beth comes in, her hair's all like this, she's going... I don't know what just happened. <laughs> and I, so I go, I go running outside, and, and I see this, this cloud going back up into the, you know, back up into the, into the, um, thank you, into the sky. <laughs> and, and I look over, it's going to hit the Stosis house. And I go, nah, nah, if I call the 911, it's too late anyway. And it's up in the sky, so don't worry about it. And then I was, I was trained in, in storm spotting. And so I got right on my phone, and I looked at the radar, and sure enough, right where the church is at is exactly where a tornado would have been. So this, this, this church was hit with a tornado. So I'm glad that we've got this. We've, I'm, you just don't know what you're going to hit when you're going to get it at any time. Okay, so, so we know that the body, you all are part, you are the church. It's called the church. And so we gather together. Why? Because the Bible says we're supposed to gather together. And we come together for worship and instruction and, and all this other stuff. Um, and so the body comes together. Where? It doesn't matter. Now, many of you know I've I traveled to India and i traveled to Bangladesh, and especially in the tribal regions. And you learn a lot when you go there. In the tribal regions, you have uh, this big uh, building that has a courtyard in the middle, of, of, of just a dirt courtyard. And what the buildings are is one room is for one family, the other room is for another family, another room is for another family, another room is for another family. And so let's say that I want to join their family. I have to build myself a room onto that particular compound. And when it's done, then we move in. It kind of brings a new meaning to, in my father's house are many rooms. Got that? And so what they did is you had this courtyard area, and this is where the women would sit, and they would cook, and they would you know, mend and do whatever. But that's also where people met for instruction. We actually did church services in courtyards like that. 
We did church services underneath uh, trees with blue tarps. We did church services inside of people's homes. And inside of people's homes, it kind of looked like this, where a very small area, uh, they had a platform, and then they put a, a, a podium up there, and somebody's uh, playing a, I don't know, an air accordion type of, uh, of piano. And people sat and they sang and they put on the ground they put blankets and people you know kids ran around and women were on one side the men were on one side and they had worship service while we were there. I remember one place I was sitting there I was dead dog tired because we've been on the road and we were having worship service and I'm kind of, and then I look up and there's this mouse going right along right along the thatch roof and what came to my mind was Polly. Because I said, if my wife was here right now, she'd be out of this church so quickly, you wouldn't even know it either. Because that thing just sat there and kind of looked at me and licked his little paws and everything else. And I said, oh boy, okay. Well, I mean, last week we had a spider in bed and killed it. I mean, there wouldn't matter what would happen if we had a, a mouse in here. But that's what they did. They met in people's homes. And they worshipped there. And so, what did they do in their worship? Now, this is where we get into the scriptures. Acts chapter 2, here we go, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We're going to start now with what the Word of God says. Because, let me turn that on, there we go. Okay, so let's look at what they did in Acts chapter 2 and how it applies to us. So the church is now formed, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That was the first thing they did. See, I'm going to talk about four areas here that are important for, uh, for every church should have these things. Okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles are the followers of Jesus. So back then, you had the actual apostles that were with you, and they taught you. Now, we don't have them with us today, obvious reason, but we still have their writings. Where are their writings? Right here. So we still can have the apostles' teachings <coughs> with us today. So the first thing they did is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay? Um, okay. And that's where we learn doctrine. That's where we learn about Jesus. It comes from teaching. Uh, not from what we think, not from what we want, but what the Bible says, what the apostles taught us. And they devoted themselves, devoted means they were committed to the apostles' teaching. That's what they wanted to learn. And to fellowship. Now, as older people remember in the 70s, the word koinonia was going around, around a lot. Koinonia means fellowship. So they were together with fellowship, and they broke bread, and they were involved in prayer. So the first thing they did is they were involved with the apostles' teaching. The second thing they were involved with was fellowship. The meeting together. That is so vital. Throughout scriptures, it talks about the meeting together. Throughout scriptures, it says, even in Hebrews, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves one to another. Because we are social beings. God created us to be social beings. And therefore, he created the church to be social beings. I mean, imagine, if you will, if you got married and you had no fellowship with your spouse. I've actually been in houses like that. He goes in his room, she goes in her room, and they don't talk to each other. It's kind of sad. But we are, we, we are called to have 
koinonia. And, and so Adam made Eve because Adam was made for need of fellowship. God made Adam and Eve. God had fellowship with Adam and Eve. We are called to be part of the fellowship of believers. We, have the, we share the same Lord. We share the same guide to life. We share the same love for God. We share the same desire for worship. We share the same struggles, the same victories, the same job of living for Him. We share the same joy and we communicate. Fellowship is important. Now, we saw that strain a couple years ago when everything shut down. Do you know studies are now coming out and it is sharing the devastating effect of the shutdown, especially on our children and teenagers. They're attributing some of the uptick in teenage violence to that. It says that lockdowns and isolation, the absence of framework during the pandemic, led to an increase in risk of that teenagers face. After two years of COVID-19, life is slowly returning to normal, but we still are witnessing an entire generation of children and teenagers being pushed aside, suffering from serious mental, emotional, and social ramifications. And violence. Israeli Times reports an increase of 360% increase in violence and anxiety amongst the teens. Wow. Why is it? Because we are made to be social beings. And we were isolated. And the same thing in the church. The purpose of the church is not to have an organization. The purpose of the church is not to build bigger buildings. The purpose of the church is for us to come together and to fellowship and to learn about Jesus together. That's the purpose. That's why these home, uh, home uh, Bible studies, these home groups uh, that are, we're trying to get together for this summer, I think are great. Because what happens? We're gathering together as the body of Christ. We do this on Wednesday nights, I mean Tuesday nights, at the 4M at Menden Fire Hall. Menden men meet for me. Now if you want to come, this is the last week, but it's not going to be at the fire hall. And we're going to, then we'll start up in September. Do you know what we do? We gather together and we eat. That's a good thing. We eat man food, meat. And then we open up God's Word, we read God's Word, and we start discussing God's Word, and the subjects go absolutely everywhere. But all it is, is fellowship. We are gathering together. Fellowship. This is my home church. This is Lake Chapel United Methodist Church in, outside of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Church was 173 years old. My seat, you can't see it, is on this side. I can still see Elizabeth Johnson. You see where that cross is? Just from the cross. She would teach the junior hires and the senior hires. When I get to heaven, I'm going to apologize a lot to Elizabeth Johnson because of what we put her through. <laughs> the church was about 50 to 60 people. Very tight in it. 
It closed about five weeks ago. And when it closed, a number of people that I knew who grew up in that church went to the final uh, worship services. I did not. But Tara Johnson wrote this about the church, and I want you to hear this. Her name is Tara Johnson Holm. Nearly all my memories, and I want you to see all the fellowshipping that's involved with this. I want you to notice she does not mention one sermon. Nor does she mention one pastor. But she does mention the fellowship. Nearly all my childhood memories involved the church or people who were part of the community. Today, Lake Chapel held its final service after 173 years. It was a small country family church in the entrusted de truest definition, and many were blessed because of its existence. So many memories filled the morning. Sitting in attendance, shared the stories that make up who we are today. Vacation Bible School, Easter egg hunts, sunrise services, breakfast, softball teams, bowling teams, singing special music, oranges at Christmas time, potlucks, family nights, bazaar, auctions, Halloween party, youth group hayrides, family reunions, Epworth Forest, that's a, our church game, mother-daughter banquets, playing football in the backyard, <coughs> and so many. Several times I, tonight I started listing each one of them, but I realized I'll be listing dozens and dozens of names as everyone left, that everyone left that impacted me. A common theme that keeps coming back to me is simple. They love God. In the end, it comes back to loving God. And I cannot express enough how fortunate I was to be surrounded by the people who love God during the toughest times of my life. Losing a family farm to arson. I remember that, because I helped clean it up. Experiencing the death of my grandfather. He was a fun man. Navigating my parents' divorce. Through it all, I was surrounded by people who love God, and I'm better for it. And so my challenge to myself and to others is, will I love God the way people of Lake Chapel did to me? Blessed beyond measure to call this church home. She's not a pastor. That's fellowship. When our barn burnt and we lost 300 hogs, it was the church that showed up. Jim Johnson, the, the, the one who had the arson at his milking parlor, he brought his backhoe over and started scooping up the 300 hogs that we put in the back of a, of a, of a, of a grain truck donated by a Joe Malcolm. And I still remember going downtown Fort Wayne with a whole load of dead hogs in the back of that thing, and everybody's looking at me going, what in the world's going on? I just smiled at them to take it to the rendering plant. But it was the church that was there. See, that's the value of a fellowship. 
The church is there. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. As you can tell, we are now in the vacation season. Okay? Um, a lot of our people are gone today. I, I just looked at, we got 10 families right now that's watching us on, on, on Facebook uh, this morning, and that's just what I know of. Can I challenge you in an area, because I know we're all going to take some vacation time this summer. When, when, when you go on vacation, make sure that you go to a fellowship. Polly and I do this all the time. We, we, we're on vacation on Sunday. We, we go to a fellowship. We, we try to find some, sometimes the weirdest ones we can find. But, but we go to one that we just try to, okay, what's it like here? And we've been to some bad ones. Let me tell you, I've been to some bad ones. I've been, I'm one in particular, I was so angry when I left, I'll never go back to that church ever again. And I've been to other ones that were, oh, wow, this is great. This could do it in my house. And then we have some that are just, you know, normal churches. But we always go there. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and rub shoulders for fellow Christians because you're part of the church and they're part of the church. Got that? I want you also to go and be a spy. I want you to go and I want you to see what they're doing. And I want you to bring it back and say, you know what, we could do this here. I do that all the time. <clears throat> you notice we're, 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 we're going around with candy you know, now. You know, I actually got that from another church. You know why we're doing it? We're doing it because... Whenever you get, whenever you have candy, people are always smiling. You notice that? But I got that idea somewhere else. And so, and so, I, I, I really want you to really consider that and think about that. Don't give up the fellowship of believers just because you're on vacation. Jesus never took vacation from us. Let's make sure we go and, and give me, give me some ideas. So when you go there, hi, I'm, I'm Darwin. What are you doing here? Oh, we're on vacation. I'm going to be a spy. And see what they say. All right, let's get back to this a little bit. And so in the book of Acts, Luke shares four qualities that are essential for the church uh, to be healthy. Number, and second, third is they ate and broke bread. Breaking bread. Now, those two ways to look at this. Number one is they had potlucks. Now, who doesn't like potlucks? Uh, okay. And so they ate together. There's something intimate about eating together. What happens a lot of times is you're in church and you, you look at somebody, hey, let's go out to eat. And you go out to eat, right? The third, second part of this is breaking bread is also signifying communion. Where they get together and what do they do? They meet together and they talk about Jesus and they commune together. So they came together and they broke together. And then the next one is they prayed together. Uh, we need to pray more in the church. There's, there's no way of hands about We need to pray more in the church. But you know what? I want to give you some permission. You ready? I want you to have permission to pray. What do you mean by that? Okay. So we'll use Ben as an example. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so let's say Ben has uh, something wrong with Ben. Now, Ben's perfect, so don't worry about it. But let's say, uh, let's say Ben, uh, let's, say on, uh, let's say he gets sick, all right? And Ben comes to church. You know what I would love to see? I would love to see you all 
without my instigating it, you all go up to Ben and say, Ben, can I pray with you? I would love to see, after church on Sunday morning, that this church is filled with people going over here praying, 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 praying for people. Don't just say, I am praying for you. Actually pray for them. You know, if you've ever sent me a text, and, and you come to me and you say, hey, you know, uh, this is what's happening. If you ever notice, I never send a text back that says, I will pray for you. I don't do that. You know why? Because <clears throat> I don't want to lie. If I forget, you know what I mean? Now, I will send you a text say, I pray for you this morning. Or we just got done praying for you. I will do that. But I, I don't want to be accused in, in that area. So I'll pray for you. That's, that seems to be the, 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 the trite thing. I'm praying for you. And we never do. No, do it. Pray for them. Pray for them. And if you say, I will pray for you, then stop immediately and pray for them. Got that? There's nothing more powerful than prayer. So they prayed together. All right. So those are the four qualities that are essential in a church. There, there's uh, the, the, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking the bread, and prayer. All those must be here at Mount Tabor. It's not an if and but they must be. So here are the results now of what happened as a result of it. Ready? Okay. Everyone was filled with awe. I like that word, awe. And the many uh, wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. So they were doing miracles. But people were in awe of what God was doing. That word awe means fear. It means a strong emotion of fear. But not just fear as being afraid, but also reverence. They were in awe. God is great. I hope that when you leave on Sunday morning, you have a fresh uh, reverence of who God is. I really do. Okay? But they were everybody. Everyone was filled in awe of what the, what the apostles were doing. And they all the believers were together and had everything in common. So what did they do? The believers were together. They had fellowship. They were coming together. They were involved with fellowship and they were using their spiritual gifts. Okay? And did the pandemic really hit the churches hard? I'll be honest with you. Uh, most churches, except for the really small ones, lost between 20 and 30% of their attendees. And we have some people who've never come back. I don't know what else to say, except the Bible says you are to fellowship with one another. Well, you don't understand. No, I don't understand, but I do know what the Bible says. Okay, so the believers were together in the fellowship and using spiritual gifts. They, and they had everything in common. So what it's saying is there was also a sacrificial giving. They saw a need of someone else and they went and they helped that person in need. Very simple. Um, when our barn burned, Jim Johnson, who had his barn eventually burned, um, when our barn burned, Jim Johnson came with his backhoe. That was his backhoe, and I remember he got a flat tire, he used his gas, he used his machinery, and whatnot. And, and that was at his expense, so he was sacrificially given. Uh, Joe Malcolm brought his, his grain truck in. I mean, we go on and on and on with all those things that people did for us. Fact sacrificial giving. Do you know sacrificial giving can also mean I really feel God wants me to go and visit that person. So we go visit some of our uh, shut-ins and some of our widows. That's sacrificial giving. Okay. 
Um, and then they were also joyful fellowship outside the formal uh, gathering. They sold the property and gave everyone a need. That's sacrificial giving. Uh, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Guess what? Here you have your home fellowship group. <laughs> That's what they did. They got together. Okay? Outside the formal setting. I love it when we take the chairs down here. You know why? Because you guys don't leave. That makes sense? Some of you might be saying, well, the pastor wants to go out. And he, no, you know what? No. Because we take the chairs down, then the kids are all running. And you guys say, hey, let's get run we'll let them play, and you start talking. Sometimes you guys are here for half an hour, 45 minutes afterwards. Great, that's wonderful. You're fellowshipping. I think it's wonderful. And the kids go in and grab the balls and the noodles and everything else. But they broke bread in their home, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. See the joy that's there? They got candy every day. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what else happened is the community around them was blessed by the presence of the church. Got that? If Mount Tabor were to be destroyed, if right now a tornado were to wipe us out, and all of us with it, because remember the body of Christ is us, not the building. Would this community, be it Mercer, Menden, Salina, Rockford, since we're kind of in the middle, would they care? Would they care? Is this community better off because we are here? The favor of all the people, not just those in the building, in the, in, in the group, but also those around. Studies after studies after studies have been made that talk about the positive impacts that churches make in the communities in which they are in. I don't, you know, what, what, the, what the TV and the Facebook and everything else is saying is a lie. Churches impact the communities that they're in. And so we have churches, let's say, uh, when, when you look at some of the small communities, I, I think uh, uh, Neptune is, is one of them. Do they have a church in Neptune? I know we used to have one. Is there one up there now? No. There isn't. And so I look at Neptune, I, I look at uh, some of these other small communities that the churches have left, it breaks my heart because the churches are such tremendous value in the communities in which they are in. Let me read this to you. And this was done by um, the Huffington Post said this. Violence dipped dramatically in counties with high levels of poverty, unemployment, and low levels of education where large percentages of the residents are active in a congregation. See the correlation? It's saying if the church is there and people are involved, 
crime goes down, not up, even if there's poverty and unemployment. This is a key finding as communities with severe social economic disadvantages are more likely to have high violent crime rates. The findings suggest that religious groups have the ability to cultivate moral attitudes that counter, counteract the code of the streets. Wharton, Ohio, over probably 60, 70 miles from here, if you go straight over Wharton, Ohio, uh, the uh, Church of God in Wharton, Ohio, started buying up the town. It's an old town. You know, the old dilapidated buildings. They started buying up that town and they started rehabbing the buildings and building community centers and whatnot. And I contacted Dave Odegaard, who used to be the pastor there. I said, what impact did it have in that community? And he said, well, first of all, the church was was really viewed in much in very high light. I mean, very good light. But it's also encouraging the morale of the community as well. When we're being the church, the community is blessed. And it says then that the Lord, the Lord added daily to those who are being saved. The Lord's the one that adds to the church. Um, you know, I, I think our job is just to do those four things uh, that I mentioned at the beginning. But the Lord is the one that brings people to the church. The Lord is the one who directs people to the church. The Lord is the one who saves the people. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. He's the one. So, as we conclude this series of sermons, Jesus died and rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. You have the, the disciples will be obedient. Then you have the uh, uh, then you have uh, the day of Pentecost came. The church was formed, and now the church is being active. May we be an active church, and may we not forget the importance of the fellowship of believers. That is. So important. Um, and we, and, and uh, it is so important for your spiritual health. Okay, let's pray. And uh, Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. And may you be with us all. And may we continue to grow in you. And may we follow what the scriptures say. And Lord, may you add to the blessings of this church. And may we be a church that the community. So glad to have you with us, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.